The History Channel Original Podcast. This week is the 127th Boston Marathon, which, according to everyone we talk to, sounds like one of the best sports days of the year. It's not just a race for the elite athletes. It's a race for everybody. All the towns and front yards redo their flowers, get everything ready. On Marathon Day, there's barbecues. If you run it year after year, you see the kids grow up. They're playing music on the driveways. I mean, the place just stops. So our team figured it was a good time to look back at the Boston Marathon in one of the most bizarre sports stories ever. Sports history this week, April 21st, 1980. I'm Kalen Jones. I love a good underdog, but not all underdog stories are created the same. And for the thousands of spectators watching the last mile of the 1980 Boston Marathon, they witnessed perhaps the most unexpected champion in sports history. One of the craziest stories, like for one of the most historic races in running, You know, there's just dramatic race finishes, but this tops the list probably of like maybe some of the craziest things that's ever happened. It's got all the makings of a Netflix style documentary that people would find pretty crazy. Some of the greatest distance runners from all over the world are cruising down the final stretch. And then here's this random woman. She's wearing a bright yellow t-shirt and white running shorts. Her arms are pumping wildly. She has this pained look on her face. She stumbles across the finish line, and she actually has to be helped up by two Boston police officers who link arms with her to keep her from falling down. And the weirdest part about it? No one has any idea who she is. Her name is Rosie Ruiz. And she doesn't just win the race. She's set the course record, an American record by three minutes. This is great, you know, who is this person? Everyone loves these stories. It's insane. The crowd is stunned. As sports columnist Mike Lupica writes, she's the hero of every unknown runner everywhere. Every person who's ever put on an expensive pair of running shoes and dreamed of winning. Or, Lupica continues, there's another possibility. That Rosie Ruiz pulled off the greatest scam in the history of the Boston Marathon. And one of the very best in the history of sports. I remember hearing the name and then having to look up the story for myself and I was just captivated. Today, Rosie Ruiz becomes the most famous cheater in marathon history. How did the race organizers eventually catch her in the act? And we try to find out, why'd she do it? Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I've played a ton of sports in my life. But even the idea of running a marathon makes me think about having an asthma attack. 
Fortunately, we found some experts who actually know what it takes. I've run 11 marathons. I've done all the major ones in the world. I've run 43 marathons, including the Boston Marathon, 23 times. I've won a marathon on five different continents. I've run 60 marathons. I've won maybe 20. But before we can even get into Rosie Ruiz's infamous Boston Marathon, we have to start six months earlier at the 1979 New York Marathon, which had only been around for a few years at that point. And marathoning in general is still very new, especially for female runners. There isn't even a women's field in the Olympic marathon yet. Here's Chris Chavez, the founder of Sidious Mag, a track and field news site. This is a time when women were still kind of getting their footing in the marathon scene. Women's marathoning isn't anywhere near where men's marathoning was at the time. But Rosie Ruiz decides she's going to give it a shot. She's a 26-year-old Cuban-American who moved to Florida with her family when she was eight years old. She ran cross-country in high school, so it's not crazy for her to try to run a marathon. But what is crazy is that in her first ever marathon, out of around 1,200 women, she comes in 11th place. And with such an impressive showing in New York, Ruiz earned the spot at the even more historic Boston Marathon. What makes the Boston Marathon so unique and special? What sets it apart? Boston's got the history that no other marathon has because it began in 1897. And all the runners from around the world that have come to Boston over the years. That's Bill Rogers. He's an American long-distance legend. He's the guy you heard earlier say that he's run 60 marathons around the world and won 20 of them, including four Boston marathons. Boston, I think, is the most challenging marathon to win because it's got a very tricky course of rolling hills and also tricky spring weather in Boston. And if it's that hard for someone like Bill Rogers, imagine how intimidating the course must be for an amateur like Rosie Ruiz. She shows up to Boston on race day. She's on no one's radar to win this actual thing. She was a runner, but not necessarily to the point of being in contention for the win at these races. Was she at least like a decent runner? Like, you know, by normal person standards. I mean, was she a decent cross-country runner? You know, Kaylin, I don't think she was. I think she was a brand new runner and just decided to run for a company and got in over her head. I think it's a hard sport for a beginner. Right. Even when you're a pro and you're really into it, you can still get beat up, you know, psychologically and physically a bit. So if you were a brand new football player and you went in to play against, I don't know, the Patriots or the Green Bay Packers or wherever the NFL champions are, and you just got out there with them, you're gonna have a hard time <laughs> yeah, marathoning for anyone, let alone a beginner, is a really hard thing to do. But you wouldn't know it if you were watching a newcomer like Rosie Ruiz. Pumping her arms and legs down the final stretch of Boylston Street, a full three minutes ahead of Jacqueline Garreau, a marathon champion from Canada who's in second place. The crowd cheers as Ruiz crosses the finish line. A laurel wreath is placed on her head, so she looks like some sort of ancient Greek champion. She stands on the winner's podium next to Bill Rogers, who just won the men's race. But something seems off. Here's Paul Clarisi, author of Boston Marathon, History by the Mile, 
and someone who has run the Boston Marathon 23 times. So the immediacy of the marathon when you win, they grab you quickly to put on the, the wreath that was made in Greece, put the medal around their neck, then you go underneath the Prudential Center into the garage for interviews very quickly. But also very quickly, people had doubts. It's a hot day, but when I saw that she had not perspired, you know, and I was soaked with sweat, my hair is all wet or sweat. You know, I know something was wrong, you know, something was not right. What else was it about her that sort of gave away that she hadn't competed in the full entirety of the race like the rest of everybody else? I asked her about her training, and she said, well, I run, I run. And I, I can't remember too much, except that I asked her, well, I said, what do you do for speed work? You know, are you doing like four times a mile, five times a mile? You know, this is what all the professional women do, and the guys do. Oh my gosh. She was tired, but I think she was kind of, you know, trying to be tired, look like she had run the whole race. Do you know what I mean? She was like, kind of pretending to be struggling. Bill Rogers is the men's winner in 1980, his third straight Boston Marathon victory. He's standing right next to Ruiz on the podium, and the more he looks at her, the weirder things get. She had a shirt right down to her elbows, you know? You wouldn't wear a shirt like that on a hot day. You know, maybe if you were a real raw beginner, you would make the mistake. She didn't look really strong, fit athlete like Jacqueline Barreau. If you look at Jacqueline Barreau, she's got some muscles. And we might be skinny, but we got muscles in our legs and our shoulders. You know, we work out with weights, we cross-train, we do sit-ups, push-ups. We're strong. And she didn't have that. And when she starts talking about her performance, that's when it becomes really clear that something strange is going on. Catherine Switzer, the runner-up of the 1975 Boston Marathon, interviews Ruiz after the race. Rosie Ruiz with a time of 2.31 and change. No, it may be a new American record. What was, what was the time in your first ever marathon and where was it? It was 2 hours and 56 minutes and 33 seconds in New York last year. What do you attribute that improvement in time to? Um, I don't know. Have you been doing a lot of heavy intervals? Um, someone else asked me that. I'm not sure what intervals are. <laughs> what are they? Rosie's responses were just, she didn't know what an interval was. She goes, what's an interval? And just the answers she was giving, we were just lost the red flags. Everyone had doubts, but they didn't want to make a real decision right there because everything happens so quick. You kind of, you whooshed into the, the, the winner's circle. I asked her questions about her training. She didn't understand the word speed work or fartlek. Fartlek is a Swedish running term. It means speed play. Now, I had to Google it, but someone fast enough to be professionals would probably know what it means. Even Catherine Switzer seems skeptical, and she kind of calls Ruiz out when they wrap up their interview on live TV. Rosie Ruiz, the mystery woman winner. We missed her at all our checkpoints. She came through the finish in a fantastic 231. We have to confirm that time at this point. The story of Rosie Ruiz starts blowing up. Rosie Ruiz today denied that she cheated to become the women's winner in Monday's Boston Marathon. But she faced tough questioning from critics. Off camera, Bill Rogers gives her a chance to come clean. I said, Rosie, you know, if there's something you can say, if you can do something now, now it's time to do it. Now it's time to do it. But she couldn't quite do it. Suddenly, the name Rosie Ruiz is everywhere. 
and reporters start to take a closer look at her life, including her past races. Eventually, people start to come forward. As they remember, she pulled off a stunt just like this at the New York Marathon last year. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's been a few days since Rosie Ruiz crossed the finish line of the 1980 Boston Marathon. Plenty of people have their doubts, but the whole time... She maintains her innocence. I ran the whole race, um, 26 miles, and I have pains to prove it. <laughs> I didn't sleep all night wondering how this, you know, how this is all going to end up, but I hope it's all cleared up very soon. She starts, I think, at this point to really lean into the lie. She maintains that she had won. And then there's this guy, Steve Merrick, who is the president of like the local running club that Ruiz was tied to, and he defends her in this press conference where, you know, she's getting very clearly emotional, but in every single way, she's denying the fact that she cheated. I don't have to prove myself innocent to anyone because I know that I ran it. The press conference is wild. Watch it for yourself on YouTube. It's just 20 minutes of reporters grilling Ruiz while she angrily denies every single allegation. Uh, Rosie, how do you account for the fact that if you don't appear in any of the lists, and they're fairly extensive lists for what Oklahoma has let people believe, at any of the early checkpoints, that no one has come forward with any pictures? Let me finish my question. No one recalls having seen you at the race or at any early checkpoint, and that you do show up about a mile from the finish. I mean, how do you account for that evidence that is apparently evidence? She definitely steers the conversation away from the cheating and criticizes the sexism prevalent in sports. Okay, I'll tell you. I believe that coverage for women in a, in a race like this and in a race like any other race is terribly poor. I do not believe that there is enough coverage for women in any other races. I believe that maybe after this, whether you prove me guilty or not, which I am not, there will be more coverage of women crossing the finish line during 26 miles. She denies, she distracts, and things just get more and more heated as the reporters refuse to relent. Under any special circumstances, would you be willing to run the course of the Boston Marathon again? This is not going to be my last marathon. I am going to run 
from here until I'm 65. Uh, the newspaper said, okay, we'll uh, set this up, if we'll just run it again. Would you be willing to do that? I am not going to run a course for the New York Road Runners Club. Would you be willing to submit to a polygraph test or any other test of your truthfulness in order to... I would be willing to submit to anything. In the days following the press conference, the public awkwardness continues when Ruiz joins Bill Rogers for a victory press tour. Rogers is sitting right next to her when this happens. There are those that say that your improvement in time is impossible. Now, Bill, does that happen in a marathon where you're pushing so hard, it's like, and you do the impossible? Well, I can tell you, I had a 10-minute improvement when I went from 219 to 209 in 75, and everybody was shocked. But I think... Um, I think it's very would be very tough to go from 256 to 231. I don't know. I think Rosie will have to resolve this for herself, you know. That week following the race, you go on like the press tour with Rosie. I mean, what what was that like and how awkward was it sitting next to her knowing that she was lying? Well, you know, I felt, I just felt bad for her. That's all. I just felt bad for her. Rosie has some issues. We all know mentally and physically she had had brain surgery. And so she was a struggling person. And you gotta have mercy, you know, because she would start crying. And you know, there's, there's like nothing you can do. I could just be there sitting next to her and I tried to talk to her a little bit and she would just start crying. And she, and she was saying, no, I know I did it. I know I did it. And she couldn't face it, you know, and um, that's, that's was kind of like the end of the story and she would never give up her medal. The BAA, the Boston Athletic Association, launches its own investigation. They go over checkpoint data that they use to review on the top runners. But the unfortunate part is that this is a time when they're only doing it for like the first 100 runners and the first 100 runners were not women, it's all men. So they have no data to really you know, verify and check there. So they kind of have to prove a negative, which can always be tricky. But honestly, Ruiz's story makes no sense. Think about it. Jacqueline Garreau is leading the women's field for nearly the entire race. Crowds are going crazy for her all day, yelling first place woman as she runs by. And then suddenly, around the 25th mile, the crowd stops because they just saw Ruiz go past them, and they think she's in the lead. So how much of the race do you think she actually ran? Like 10 miles, five miles? I think maybe 5K or less. They have eyewitnesses who said they saw her come out of bushes near Kenmore Square. That's about less than two miles ago. Investigators go through thousands of photos taken along the route to see if there's even a shred of truth to what Ruiz is saying, and they come up empty. They've reviewed photographs and Ruiz was never seen. They interviewed, you know, more people and and no one could verify that she was there. So how did she do it? The number one theory, which Ruiz never admitted to, is that she took Boston's public transit system called the T. And soon, more eyewitnesses start to pop up. There was these two spectators who recalled seeing Ruiz just burst out of the crowd on Com Ave, you know, in the closing stages of the Boston Marathon. And the Rosie Ruiz story was brought to their attention after 
they had seen a story about it in the newspaper. And then what this also spirals into is like the New York City Marathon launching their own investigation into Ruiz. And so how does that go? How long does all of this play out before finally reaching a conclusion? Yeah. So now that like the New York City Marathon raises its own sort of red flags, Fred LeBeau, who was the race director of the New York City Marathon, takes a little bit more of an aggressive approach. He starts to review things, even puts out, I believe, like a public challenge to Ruiz to say, hey, run the marathon again. Like, if you're this good and you've won this, like you can, you know, run another marathon and prove it. But she doesn't take up any of these uh, challenges. Turns out, Ruiz did the exact same thing in the New York Marathon. Veered off course and hopped on the subway. Rosie Ruiz enters the race, makes it about 10 miles or so before trying to get on the subway because she wasn't properly trained for this. And so she jumps on the train, runs into uh, a photographer. This is an important part that, you know, circles back later on. Tells the photographer that she had an ankle injury and that she was going to go cheer for runners by the finish line. But as she's making her way towards the finish line area in Central Park, she goes through the barricades, finds herself back into the race and crosses the finish line where she finds the medics afterwards to tell them that she was injured. So they end up putting her in the results with a finishing time of two hours, 56 minutes and 29 seconds, which was good enough for 11th place in the race. And as a result, she notched the Boston Marathon qualifying mark. That is insane. Every time I hear that, it is absolutely wild to imagine somebody jumping out of a race, taking the subway, and then jumping back out and then finishing a race. And I think like the crazy part is like there there are parts of the marathon, especially on the New York City course, which I've run a couple times where you're in pain, you hit the wall and you're, the thought does creep into your head. And it's like, yeah, I know that the, you know, the four, five, six trade is right there. Maybe I should just jump on and get, you know, to Central Park a little bit easier. But no one really acts upon it except for Rosie Ruiz. This also flags things to Susie Morrow, who was the photographer who she ran into in the subway of the New York City Marathon. And so she comes forward with her own story. So after about a week's worth of drama, the New York Roadrunners decide to disqualify her from the race. As a result, she's also removed from the Boston results. Will Cloney, the race director of the Boston Marathon, addresses the media. I am convinced that Rosie thinks that she ran the race and won the race. We, she is equally convinced, and this is a little bit strange, she is equally convinced that our information is absolutely overwhelming against that conclusion. I know it's probably a hard answer, but why do you think she did it? Like, she had to have known she was going to get caught, right? I think she was just made the mistake of miscalculating where she was amongst the women runners at the Boston Marathon. I think she should have taken more time. Apparently, she was only two miles or so from the finish and jumped out and hadn't seen any women go by. And maybe she had seen a lot of guys go by, you know, 
So it's like, oh no, what did I do? And I, I, I think she quickly realized that I made a mistake and she just misjudged it. And that was her downfall. It turns out when you cheat in the marathon and come in 11th place, like she did in New York, no one really cares that much. It's only because she actually won the Boston Marathon that everyone started taking a closer look. Looking at everything, she didn't want to win this thing. She wanted to jump in at roughly the time she did in New York, make it look good, go home. Everyone loved it. Life goes on. She miscalculated. You can just see looking at her face like, what have I done? Ironically, Ruiz even admitted to not knowing her position in the race during her frantic press conference. I did not know I was the first woman across the finish line. I was surprised when they put the wreath on my head because I was paying attention to what I was running. I wasn't paying attention to anything else. I was going to finish the race and that was it. If only she'd finish in 10th place or 15th place or 27th place, probably no one would know her name today. But there is one name we all should know. I think the person that I feel for the most in this whole situation was Jacqueline Garreau of Canada, who was leading the race. Jacqueline Garreau always has handled it so well. Jacqueline was an incredible champion, is what I'm saying. Garreau later says, I missed something. I missed the excitement of being received as the winner. But being sad, being angry, not really. I feel sad for her. It's more unfortunate for her than me. Garreau ends up being declared the women's winner in two hours and 34 minutes, which was the fastest time ever for a woman at the Boston Marathon. In 2005, the marathon even puts together a mini event for Garreau. She reruns the final 20 yards of the course and finally receives a medal. It's not the original Boston Marathon medal, of course, because Ruiz never gave that back, even up to her death in 2019. It was sad that she kind of could never give up the medal. It was, became something in her identity or something. She couldn't give it up. But I think worse things in the world have happened. <laughs> on one hand, it became a joke, which I get. But on the other hand, the fact that it made the news and the fact that there was importance to it tells you something. The fact that people cared about it told you you know, people care about the Boston Marathon. People care about marathoning. People care about cheating. You know, it would have been bad if no one cared, no one reported it and go, yeah, whatever. That would have been worse. Thanks for listening to Sports History this week. For more moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 1989, the movie Field of Dreams premieres. And 2003, professional wrestler Stone Cold Steve Austin loses the legal battle for the right to keep calling himself Stone Cold. If you'd like to get in touch, please shoot us an email at sportspod at history.com or leave us a voicemail at 212-351-0410. We'd love to hear from you. Special thanks to our guests, Chris Chavez, founder of the Sidious Mag track and field website and host of the Sidious Mag podcast. Paul Clarisi, author of several books on running, including Boston Marathon, History by the Mile, and Images of Modern America, the Boston Marathon. And Bill Rogers, four-time champion of both the Boston Marathon and the New York Marathon. 
This episode was produced by David Ingber. It was story edited by me, Kayla Jones, and sound designed by Bill Moss. Sports History This Week is also produced by Cooper McKim. Our senior producer is Ben Dixie. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks and Hazel May. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Copyright 2023 A&E Television Networks, LLC. All rights reserved.